You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste. I have a great lineup of guests this evening talking about all sorts of things from reviewing a restaurant in Limerick to what's in the latest issue of Easy Food magazine. If you've something that you'd like to share with us on the show, it could be your favourite recipe or a fantastic food find, anything food or drink related at all, please get in touch by emailing me s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. Coming up on the show tonight, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley tells us all about the treasury in Limerick City. Kenmare foodie Karen Coakley shares her Spanish chicken recipe. Aoife Hannan has travelled from County Kerry to the studio to tell us what we can look forward to at the 21st Listole Food Fair, Ireland's longest-running food festival. I hear about how the Apprentice Chef programme is progressing from Mark Doe. And Easy Food Magazine's guest editor for April, David Flynn, half of the Happy Pair, will be on the phone to preview the latest issue. But first, let's welcome resident reviewer Rachel Keeley and find out about her latest dining spot, which is in Limerick City. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, you're welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks, Emily, for having me, Sharon. It's good to be here. And you're going to talk about a restaurant which you describe as stumbling distance to your own house there in <laughs> Limerick. It's the Treasury and it's on O'Connell Street. O'Connell Street, exactly, yes. Um, some people might know the locations where the Market Square used to be. So it's on a basement of a Georgian building just up from O'Connell Avenue. Okay, and it's on the corner of the of Perry Street. Exactly, it? just I think where it starts to kind of curve around. Yeah, exactly, just there. So it's quite a nice setting that going down the, the steps quite chapter one-esque it is indeed yes um, and I think especially I visited around Christmas time and I think that really lent itself to it you know kind of subdued lighting exposed brickwork the low chandeliers it's it's a very atmospheric building um, with a lot of history obviously if you visited it then it wasn't open very long which can usually be a real test it can be it can and to be fair to them they were quite busy um, but yet, yet managed quite well in fairness you know given that they're trying to get to grips with not just a brand new uh, restaurant but also a very busy time of year and this is the sort of restaurant you need to book yes I just heard as of yesterday they they are booked up three weeks in advance apparently so I mean it's not very big either so they they kind of valued um, relaxation and and privacy over packing in the numbers so nothing is too tightly tightly squeezed in there so you probably would need to ring in advance and what's the style of food that they're going for they're kind of going for um, a higher end of food but at the same time accessible you know they uh, the chef obviously has uh, quite a good attention to detail you can see that he's quite strong training um, but at the same time it's not uh, it's not overly what my husband would call fiddly okay (laughs) I know what he's talking about And what did you go for to start off? Well, there are two menus. They, they keep it really simple, which is nice. Uh, there's two menus. There's a 35 euro set menu or a 30 euro menu. So that's pretty much the only choice you have to make initially. Um, so we both went for 35 euro menu and, and found that we're actually glad we made a little splurge because the dishes turned out to be really, really well done. Um, my husband started off with the open beef ravioli, uh, which is kind of the treasury's take on what you've probably come across before, a recent trend for deconstructed dishes. So it's ravioli essentially sort of cut open it's not uh, it's not tightly packed like you'd normally expect to see it um, 
but even though I was afraid to be a little gimmicky it was actually just excellent it was really really good the whole table ended up kind of coveting his from from across uh, and wanting or wishing they had ordered the same thing um, basically there was really clean simple fresh pasta and then layered on top succulent slow cooked beef um, it was arranged with celeriac savoy cabbage uh, set puree and then this puddle of really really nice truffle and mushroom sauce you can imagine how, how rich that tasted um, but it worked really really well lovely starter lovely starter yes and probably something I might order even as a main course next mm, time it was yeah. really really good and what did you go for yourself um, I went for the Dublin Bay prawns uh, I was a little bit worried about this dish it comes in filo pastry but on the menu it said it was accompanied by mango creme fraiche and mango jelly so I was thinking a lot of mango uh, and, I, and I don't really like sweetness too much sweetness on, on savoury food so I was a little worried about that but actually and I suppose that's where the training of the chef came through it was very subtle the flavours were, were woven very subtly through uh, and lovely fresh Dublin Bay prawns in, in very light filo pastry and what were you drinking along with these lovely starters uh, a lot I suppose the answer Sharon as I say it was stumbling distance really um, we had a Malbec it was uh, an Argentinian Malbec Renace Punto Final I think is what it is it was 26 euro for a bottle so not overly good. expensive yeah mm-hmm. that's very good value I think yeah it wasn't too bad and uh, I think we had a glass of uh, Prosecco to start too. oh yeah nice you have to. Yeah, Ron, it's Christmas Ron, Ron Forrestal <laughs> would approve of that at any time of the year not he's just dead Christmas. right I like his style yeah and what did you go for for your main course then so I had the braised lamb shoulder uh, again it was just that time of year I think I just wanted some something comforting and traditional uh, it was served with a roast artichoke and potato terrine and then of course it had a little kind of smudge of gremolata on top which is nice it kind of lifts the dish with a bit of colour um, it was very tender very juicy and it, it went especially well I think with, with the wine at the time Okay and husband what did he have? Husband uh, he went for pork belly which I was quite surprised about it's uh, it's naturally not the prettiest dish in the world it doesn't really win any pageants uh, but this turned out to be actually very well very well presented um, it was served kind of sitting on top of an artichoke risotto which was lovely um, and a nice combination I haven't come across before um, served with black pudding and apple as well um, so kind of an interesting combination of flavours but they all worked very well together Yes I know a man that finds it very hard to go past the pork belly Yes and especially when it's combined with black pudding I think that's that's two very manly dishes in, in one bowl Yeah absolutely <laughs> So you were well fed at this stage I would imagine We were um, and, and actually because the, uh, the, the restaurant is quite um, Again, it was quite atmospheric and the fire was lit and the lighting was low and it's full of antiques and uh, gilt frames and, and books actually which is what it's named after it's named after a book that they found called The Treasury um, which is quite interesting but because of that we kind of relaxed and, and took quite our time over the dinner and um, so eventually when we came to ordering dessert um, I decided to go for something a bit more uplifting to try and wake me up a little bit so I went for a passion fruit cheesecake uh, which is quite tart actually so possibly woke me up a little bit too much um, but it was bookended by honeycomb and served with uh, fresh strawberries and a sprinkle of crumbled nuts, which is always a nice contrast of textures. Nice, yeah. Mm, it was really nice. Um, and then Anthony, mainly because he couldn't pronounce it, ordered a blueberry chafouti, which I hope is the right pronunciation. Uh, and that, I think it's like a, a southern French dish, which I hadn't come across before, but it is essentially um, a kind of a batter, uh, almost like flan, and then there's blueberries suspended inside. So it sounds very heavy, but actually it wasn't. It was quite light, so 
it must have been quite well done. How do you spell that? C-H-A-F-O-U-T-I-S. Okay. I know, it was new to me too, and I would have spent a lot of time in South of France, so you learn something new every day. Absolutely, mm. yeah. And did you go for teas or coffees then? We did, um, again, to kind of uh, rouse us a little bit before we stumbled home. Um, we all had uh, had a couple of espressos. Okay, mm-hmm. and then the bill came. The bill came, yes. I mean, given that the... Um, with the, with the set menus, you know, it's, it's cert, to a certain extent, it's controlled. It's pretty much always going to be sixty or seventy euro for the for the food alone, anyway. Um, so between that and the wine, we spend ninety six euro. Not too bad. No. What is the difference between the thirty euro menu and the thirty five euro menu? Is it are they all are they both completely different dishes that you have to choose from? They're relatively different. So there's sort of slightly different um, options, array of options on the thirty five euro. So you can get items which I would imagine are more expensive for the restaurant to purchase in terms of ingredients on the thirty five euro menu, whereas the thirty euro one might be slightly simpler. simpler. But they're both three courses, or and your tea and coffee and everything. Uh, well, no, the tea and coffee is separate. Yeah. Um, um, and the th- they do have, of course, the normal supplements as well. So I think the sirloin and the fillet had a supplement. I don't like that. Neither do I, I have to say. Um, if you're going to put it on at all, I would imagine just or make it a little bit more expensive. Accordingly, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't like that. I know a lot of places do it, but I don't like it. And some places go mad altogether and everything is supplemented. Everything, whether it's chicken or fish or meat. So it's uh, no point, in that, from my opinion, of having a set menu at yeah, yeah. that stage. So a good night and you'd recommend it? I would, definitely. Um, Very good service. Um, Good service with a lot of personality, actually. We had a good, we had quite a bit of crack as well with the staff, which is difficult, I'd imagine, for them to do while also managing a very busy restaurant that had just opened. So it was nice. It's a good place for for a date or, you know, a special celebration because, as I say, the atmosphere is quite romantic and there's a lot of history in the walls and it's a nice place for a bit of a celebration. Okay, great. So it is the Treasury in Limerick City and it's 74 o'clock. Street. That's it. Mm-hmm. And of course, details will be on your blog, which is rmkeely.com. That's it, exactly. Great, Rachel. Thanks so much. You'll be back again next month and we'll be looking at Elbow Lane in Cork. Yes, back to Cork. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Sharon. Thank you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Thanks to Rachel for her latest review and you can find details of that review and lots of others on Rachel's blog rmkeely.com. If you have the perfect restaurant that you'd like Rachel to visit and review for the show, please drop me an email s.noonan at live.ie and I will pass the details on. Still to come tonight, Aoife Hannan has travelled from County Kerry to the studio to tell us what we can look forward to at the 21st Listowel Food Fair. I'll be hearing about how the Apprentice Chef programme is progressing from Mark Doe and Easy Food magazine's guest editor for April, David Flynn, half of the happy pair, will be on the phone to preview the latest issue. Next, though, it's time for a delicious recipe. Compliments of Kenmare foodie, Karen Coakley. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Karen, you're very welcome this evening. Hi, Sharon. How are you? You have a lovely Spanish chicken recipe for us. I do. It's um, one of our, another one of our favourites here. It's just a really simple dish. A lot of my friends say they get stuck in a rut with feeding their family and feeding their kids, and they don't know what to do, and they like to do something different. And for me, this is one that works for us. It works for us on many levels because, number one, it's tasty, it's interesting, it's cheap because you're bulking it out with chorizo. And I think my experience in general is children love tomato-based sauces. I know mine do. It's like nearly every kid loves spaghetti bolognese or they love pizza. So you've got that tomato taste carrying through. And then chorizo, pepperoni pizza seems to be like big 
Kitty's favourite. So chorizo is another form of pepperoni. Well, that's how I said it to mine anyway. So they're always, they love that. So basically, it's a very simple dish. All you do is you fry off a red onion with some garlic. You get, you can use chicken fillets or you can use chicken thighs. Now, chicken thighs are such a cheap option. They're a great thing to do. If I'm using chicken fillets, I'll use maybe four fillets and cut them into two, cut them into half, or maybe if they're big ones, cut them into three. So you put those into the pan once you've fried off your your red onion and your garlic and let them brown on either side. And then you get a red pepper and the yellow pepper. If you think of Spain, the Spanish flag, red and yellow, so Spanish chicken, you fry those off. Then you throw in a glass of white wine. Um, If I'm feeling very, what's the word, extravagant at home or if we're having somebody around, I'll use sambuca because sambuca has that kind of fennel flavour and it goes really, really well with everything in the dish. Sorry, before I put in the wine, I skipped ahead. I put in my chorizo and let all the juices come out of the chorizo, you know, around the same time that you put in the pepper. Then put in your wine. The chorizo must give it a very nice colour. It gives it a gorgeous colour. And if you get a really good chorizo, I mean, my, one of my favourite chorizos is Gobine chorizo because Gobine Smokehouse is in West Cork. I'm from West Cork, but it has that really smoky flavour to it. Um, and they have like a fresh chorizo. Fresh chorizos are better for this because I find that all the fat and all the juices that are in the chorizo will just leach out and make the most beautiful flavour in the sauce. And that's what you want. You want those flavours of Spain, which are chorizo and paprika, to come through. Let me ask you, sorry, let me ask you about your chicken thighs. Do you keep them on the bone or do you get them boned? I would keep them on the bone, but I would take the skin off. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't really, not a big fan of the skin in this. If I was cooking them crispy, then I'd leave the skin on, but no, and this I would take it off. Then you add in your wine, let that bubble down for a little bit, a tin of tomatoes, salt and pepper, and maybe a half a teaspoon of sugar, and a tablespoon of smoked paprika. Now, smoked paprika is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, and it's worth buying. Go into your health food shop or go into your, if you've any specialist shop where you live, buying a really good Spanish paprika. There's smoked paprika, there's hot smoked and sweet smoked. Now, the hot smoked is lovely. There'll be a nice kick. If you like spicy food, get that. You'll get a nice kick off of it. But if not, and if your kids don't like spicy food, go for the sweet smoked. But I'll tell you, once you go down the road of buying our real smoked paprika, it's one of the few things that I will say you will never go back to a supermarket or, you know, a generic brand of smoked paprika because the difference in flavour is just phenomenal. Did you say you put a tablespoon into it? Yeah, I would put a tablespoon, Sharon, and I have a recipe in my blog as well for Spanish meatballs, and I put a tablespoon in because it will give you a lovely, strong smoked paprika flavour, and that's what you want. You want that to come through in your sauce. And obviously, if you didn't want it too strong, you could put a bit less into it. You can reduce that down, absolutely. And then I serve it with potato gravis, or it's so delicious you can just serve it with crusty bread. I scatter olives over the top, maybe a good handful of olives um, over the top, but you don't put the olives on until it's really finished cooking because black olives, if you um, cook them for too long, they go bitter and they'll actually make your sauce bitter. Have it ready to go and then put your olives over, let them just heat through into a nice serving dish and off you go. Lovely. So it's a nice, easy, quick, simple one to make. Quick and simple. It's 10 minutes. Once the chicken, once you get your liquid in, 10 minutes is all it takes after that. And as you said, the full recipe is on the kenmarefoodies.com website. Kenmarefoodies.com website. Okay. Now, before you go, you have a butcher shop that you want to tell us about. I do. It's a butcher shop in Milltown. 
I was travelling to Milltown lately and I had heard great things about Burke's Butcher Shop in Milltown. So that, that's Milltown County Kerry. Milltown County Kerry. Yeah. Hopped out of my car and um, just discovered the most amazing butcher shop in the middle of the city town. And um, it's a family-run butcher shop, but uh, the butcher told me that they're actually killing their own lambs and cows. So all of that meat is their own. They have their own abattoir two miles outside the road. And what I was really impressed with was, number one, it was very clean, spotlessly clean, but a really full cabinet full of the most fantastic stuff. You know, he had the usual good sticks and things like that, but he had duck spring rolls with a plum sauce. He had chicken supreme with a mushroom sauce. So like that for any mother who's like stuck for something, you know, quick and easy. I just thought, you know, it's local and he's doing it all himself. It was just worth giving a shout out. Great. Thanks very much for that. And um, you're very good to come on tonight. And the next time you come on, you're going to be talking about the top five restaurants on the Ring of Kerry as per Condé Nasty. Am That's I saying that correctly? One. Yeah, that is a very exciting one. Condé Nast have released the top five restaurants on the Ring of Kerry. And I have to say they're all very well deserved two of them are from Kinmare so very close to my heart but yeah that's a good one for the next day okay we'll hold on to that and we shall talk to you about it next time in the meantime thanks again Karen and it's kenmarefoodies.com thanks Sharon you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley. Rachel reviewed the Treasury in Limerick and you can find her review on her blog rmkeeley.com. And just before the break, Ken Mayor Foodie, Karen Coakley, had a Spanish chicken recipe for us. Never fear if you miss some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous 2014 shows. And you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Still to come tonight, I hear about how The Apprentice Chef programme is progressing from Mark Doe and Easy Food Magazine's guest editor for April, David Flynn, half of the happy pair, will be on the phone to preview the latest issue. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest to the studio. Eva Hannan is on the Listowel Food Fair Committee and she's travelled to the studio this evening to tell us what we can look forward to this June. Cheers. Chin chin. Salud. Schleiter. Aoife, thanks for coming into the studio this evening. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's all very exciting in Listowel. 21 years of the food fair and you've actually moved the date this year. It's normally in November, but you're having it in June this year. Yeah, we've decided to move it to June. I think the committee had been thinking about that over the past number of years, but this year the decision was taken to celebrate the 21st anniversary of Listowel Food Fair. Um, I think it's just felt that there's a lot more food, fresh food and things available in the summer and it will lend much more of a party atmosphere to the festival this year. And it also means that you can do more outdoor events. Yeah, which hopefully. is great because I noticed that there was foraging on the on the program, which is hugely topical at the moment. And you have a fabulous park there, so somebody's going to lead a foraging walk. Yeah, we did it actually a couple of years ago with somebody else. This year, it's Christine Best, who's a local lady from Kilflin. So she's. Uh, herbalist, a medical herbalist. So she's going to lead the foraging trail and then there will be a workshop in the Soul Garden Centre 
uh, growing your own medicinal herbs. So it should be fantastic. I mean, it'll be great. And it's, that's good family fun. You know, you can bring your kids down to the park and see what's there. It's very interesting. And that's only one of a huge number of events that you're having. And I noticed that there's one that's very special and it's actually celebrating a former resident of Listowel. Yes, Cathy Buckley, a lady from Upper William Street in Listowel, um, went to the States. She was working in Waterville in the Butler Arms Hotel in Waterville and JP Morgan came there, ate there and offered her a job in the States. She went working for him and then President Coolidge came for dinner to JP Morgan's house and brought her from there to the White House. I suppose headhunted her out of there. And she worked at the White House for three presidential terms. So with Coolidge, Hoover and Roosevelt. So I've actually met Vincent Carmody, the historian who is yes. a relative of hers. And he has some really amazing memorabilia from her time in the White House. Yeah. And Vincent, I mean, Vincent is a mine of information on the town in general. But I suppose this is dearer to his heart because, as you said, he is a relation of hers. She got a key given to her. So that will be forming part of the launch of Listowel Food Fair this year. There, Yeah, he's loads of memorabilia and photographs of Cathy Buckley and that type of thing. And the, the key ties in really well with the whole 21st anniversary because you know yeah, the way you the traditionally the get the key to the door yeah. whenever you turn 21. And yeah. I know he also has some lovely recipes that she used when she was in the White House and menu cards and things like that. So I'm sure the public will be very interested to, to see the photographs of those. Yeah, fantastic. And it's the fact she came back to Listowel then and cooked in Listowel for many years as well, making what are traditionally known in Listowel, the mutton pies. And uh, she was known affectionately as Cathy the White House, apparently. So, Well, speaking of mutton pies, I believe Billy Keane's mother had an award-winning recipe for mutton pies. And she Billy's did. on the, the committee with you, and he is going to be one of the publicans versus traders cook-offs that you're having on the opening night. Yeah. Tell me about that. That should be fantastic. Fantastic fun, because it's a great group of people. So we've got local publicans and local traders, as you say, and then there are chef mentors working with each of the regulars, I suppose, to help them with their um, menu, devising their menu on the night. So it's going to be a cook-off. It'll be great old fun. Paolo Tulio will be there overseeing proceedings and Sean Lyons, who's actually a member of the Committee of Writers Week, but he's our local Toastmaster so he'll be there. We had him last year as well and he's fantastic fun as well. So it should be very, you know, just a great light-hearted evening. And for members of the public then that want to get involved in cooking, you actually have an amateur recipe competition. Mm -hmm. And that will be cooked on the Saturday night. So it's to get your recipe into Listowel Food Fair of what you would like to see cooked in a local restaurant. And then on the Saturday night, the participating restaurants will cook the top, I think it's the top eight recipes they'll be cooking and the overall winner will be announced on that night. So you will be able to dine in the restaurant where your recipe is being cooked, have your recipe cooked for you and whoever is has the winning recipe will get a prize worth 200 euro it's a lovely prize as well a great night out fantastic for anybody that has an interest in cooking oh absolutely is there any age no not at all and that's fantastic so there are a lot of young people I mean who are fantastic at putting ideas together gives them that platform to show us really 
Um, and there's a, a deadline for submitting entries to that, so people should go on to the Listool Food to Fair, to food, yeah, listoolfoodfair.ie website yes, to check that out. and all the competitions are on that, yeah. And another competition that you want to mention is the food photography one. Yeah, the food photography. This is our first year of that, so we've actually got a food photography workshop on the Friday morning of the food fair in Listool Arms. Um, so the details of that again will be on the website but that's a workshop for anybody who is a food producer who'd like to be able to photograph their own product Pat Tobin a local photographer who I work actually very closely in my own line of business with but um, he's also part of Listowel Camera Club so he'll be giving that lesson which is a fantastic opportunity for people and then we'll also have a food photography competition so people will submit their um, photographs of food now there are certain criteria to adhere to um, so it's very important to get that because I know you see some quirky ones. I know a local guy did an orange and he took out the orange and put in a clockwork, the workings of a clock, you know, which was very cool, but it wouldn't fit our competition, even though it was a fantastic photograph. So it is important, really, I suppose, for all the competitions. And um, I suppose the one that's dearest to me, of course, is the best emerging food product from an artisan producer, which has been going for many years now. Fantastic competition. Again, great. Like Listowel Food Fair is fantastic to allow people that platform you know, so say the best emerging competition is a product which has been in production less than two years and is hands on in the making. That's very important. So it is artisan food producers. It's not mass production. And so people who are making pots of jam at home get an opportunity to have their jam assessed by a panel of judges. They get very good feedback from it, positive and negative. And then the prizes are there's 200 euro each for the five category winners, a prize of 1000 euro for the overall winner and Garvey Super Value stock their product on the shelves for a year. Which is huge, as you say. Huge. A huge opportunity and then the other it. thing is, like, say, local enterprise office um, sponsor the prize fund, the money side of it. But it also means that then if you go forward looking for funding or looking for support from the local enterprise office to build a website or anything, they know you. You know, you've entered the competition, you've seen to be. So it's fantastic. One of our judges is Angela Sheehan from the Food Science Department in UCC. She has a very important title, which I can't think of, of course. But again, for anybody going forward, if they need support you know, Angela will say, oh, wow, yeah, I tasted your product at Listowel Food Fair. So it is fantastic. It's great opportunity and a great, um, I suppose, showcase for your product. And it is the fact whether you win or lose, you're going to get feedback, which is very important as well. Last year's winner, Sharon Green from the Wild Irish Foragers, has been yeah. on the, the show a couple of times. It was her dandelion preserve that... Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And the judges were absolutely blown away. I suppose it's even to think that you would make a preserve from dandelion. I mean, the rest of us mow them with the lawnmower and it is just the petals of the dandelion they use so it's all hand done I mean those petals are picked off by their children and it's the nectar from the dandelion but it was the most delicious product going and um, the chefs at List Alarms last year for the um, Best Emerging Awards dinner we had last year uh, they made a an ice cream from the dandelion nectar it was as fragrant it was divine and actually another product of theirs their rose hip syrup won a category won the beverage category as well so um, Angela Sheehan in UCC actually took those products with her to show the food historian in UCC so like there is even more exposure you know it's lovely because it's very personal you have a dinner which where mm. these winners are all announced but it's a very 
it's a very important dinner because it's a tasting menu that they do in the Listowel Arms. Yeah, last year was our first year of it and I suppose we were feeling the way with it. We had done a food and fashion event for two years prior to that, which was an eight course menu. So I suppose we'd had the template slightly But this was a challenge for the chefs in that it was incorporating the five category winners and the overall winner. So six products into a menu and to showcase those products to the best of their ability. But good Lord, did they do themselves proud. It was an amazing night, fantastic night. And I suppose Listo Alarms were concerned because we were presenting awards on the night that it would go on forever, of course. But no, the way we had done it then was like, say, as each course was served, whatever was served on that course, while people were finishing up their course of food, we'd present the award quickly to the winner of that category. Generally speaking, these people don't want to speak, so they just literally want to grab their prize, be recognised and run. You know, it's about their product as opposed to themselves. Um, But the foods on it, like, were incredible. And food would not be complete if there wasn't something nice to drink with it. Of course. The All-Ireland Craft Beer We have the Craft Beer Competition. This is the first year of this, so it'll be very, very interesting now to see how that goes. Um, Billy Keane, actually, and Martin Stack, who has Stack's off-licence in Listowel, the two of them are responsible for that competition. So that will be judged on the Saturday night. Um, and But they, they will obviously have prejudged it and be announced on the Saturday night then. But um, yeah, so that's it's I suppose it's huge in Ireland now, the beers and I suppose ciders, but we have to limit it to something. Absolutely. So it's fantastic for people again to be able to enter competitions and get recognition. So there's lots of different competitions. There's lots mm-hmm. of family events. There's workshops for yeah. people in industry. There's the taste trail as well that, that's going on. Yeah, on the Saturday afternoon through town. Yeah, Saturday is a very full day, I suppose, between workshops, demonstrations and that food tasting trail. So, like, say, Cookerama, who are a local cookery club for kids, I suppose, they're running workshops through throughout the Saturday. We have the competitions, the baking competitions on Saturday morning. So there's a baking with strawberries competition and a kids baking competition. So again, all the details of those are on the website. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, the workshops on the Saturday as well. And the Friday we have um, Sid Sheehan, who's a chef and nutritional therapist in Listowel. He's doing a talk on about how healthy is your relationship with food. Actually, somebody at the meeting was laughing, saying if you left out the end of it, how healthy is your relationship? He'd get an entirely different clientele. But that's on in the Shanaki Centre in Listowel on Friday from two to three. So like that's fantastic. And directly after that in the garden centre is the Grow Your Own Medicinal Herbs. So it means if you're into both of those, you have the opportunity to go to both of them one after the other so yeah fantastic and there are kids there are workshops for your for children's like to get them to start eating healthily in a fun way um, Listowel Community Centre are taking that responsibility which is fantastic as well you know and we mustn't forget the Friday market which is a great the farmers market, market on the Friday well. yeah it is fantastic and there again I suppose for the 21st anniversary we're trying to give it this more festive atmosphere so they're pulling out all the stops for the Friday as well and I would imagine all of those traders will be there on the Sunday morning again. We're having another market on the Sunday morning. Barbecues, entertainment, Zumba and um, and Joe Jordan's 
theatrics school or doing a performance. So like it'll be fantastic around the square on Sunday. And I suppose that's what we're trying to do is involve the whole community. I mean, even though Listol is a hugely supportive community anyway, but it's just to create that huge festival atmosphere for the whole weekend in town and that it is family fun, you know. And I suppose our ethos in Listol Food Fair really is about artisan food. It's about the small producer. It's about normal people who are doing these amazing things around food and to get the recognition for that you know like save and Sid Sheehan there that I said is doing that workshop he's a committee member as well but he is a chef he went back and did a master's in nutritional therapy he's amazing he has a cookery school just outside Listole on the outskirts of Listole nourished by nature I mean that's fabulous the type of classes he runs you know gluten free cooking paleo cooking I didn't even know what paleo cooking was but anyway I had to ask him but, uh, so, you know, this is regular people who are making a huge difference in the food industry and making it accessible to all of us. It all sounds like a wonderful celebration. Yeah. Lots happening. People should go to your website, which is yeah. stolefoodfair.ie for details. And very fitting, I'd imagine, that it ends on the longest day of the year yes. and it is the, the longest food festival in Ireland. So congratulations on your 21st year. And no doubt we'll talk again in more detail about certain events in the, the weeks coming up to it. But in the meantime, thanks for coming in this evening. Thanks very much, Sharon. Thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me chatting to Aoife Hannan about the Listowel Food Fair that is on the 18th to the 21st of June and you should check it out and all the different competitions that are there on their website which is listowelfoodfair.ie. Now, my next interview features someone who is no stranger to the show. Mark Doe has a wonderful cookery school just cooking in Fieries in County Kerry. And when I came across him at the Food for Thought event in Tralee IT, I seized the opportunity to ask him about the Apprentice Chef programme. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Mark, it's great to see you again, and there couldn't be a more fitting place than Tralee IT, given that we're going to talk about the Apprentice Chef programme. You came into the studio, I think it was last year, to talk about it, mm. but it's really come on in leaps and bounds since then. But just give us a summary, what is the Apprentice Chef programme all about? Well, the Apprentice Chef programme, and it's good to hear you using the word programme, actually, Sharon, because we, we never refer to it as competition, you know, it's a programme or project is what we refer to it as. So, But basically, what it is, I suppose it's, it's, it's three areas that it involves, really. One is, uh, you know, educating teenage kids in secondary school to cook good food, healthy food, you know, so uh, when I say healthy, we don't discourage fats, you know, we talk about good fats and bad fats, we, we teach them about good nutrition when they're studying, how it benefits them, etc. It also uh, kind of gears them, I suppose a big part of it is gearing them towards a, uh, a career in the industry, as in the hospitality industry, and you know, most uh, second level students, their exposure to, say, the likes of IT Tralee is on an open day. 
but we're kind of getting them a little bit earlier than that. So basically we're running workshops in the IT and they come in and, and they see the IT. So we're going them towards a, a, a career in food. And thirdly, it's also about upskilling the home ec teachers. And uh, absolutely no disrespect to home economics teachers because they do a fantastic job, but they need upskilling. And uh, that's kind of quite a big part of the Apprentice Chef as well. So it's kind of taking what they did 40 years ago, which is still, they're still being taught and taking it to a, a more modern level, you know. What age group is it aimed at? It's aimed at all secondary year school students. Uh, we do find it's mainly transition year because they tend to have more time on their hands. Uh, and so it's mainly transition year. Uh, we have had second year students though as well. So so any any year up, you know, in secondary, yeah, all the way through. And do those students have to be studying home ec as part of the curriculum? You know, are they at that stage where they have picked subjects or they're about to pick subjects? They wouldn't all be studying it, you know. I suppose uh, a lot of the transition year students is part of their transition year as far as I know. Uh, but there would be students that may be thinking of picking home ec, you know, the younger students, you know, in second year, I suppose, they're kind of thinking about what they want to choose. And uh, But a lot of them, it's a good view of them actually not doing home ec as well, you know, but they have an interest in food. There's still this this little bit of perception home economics that is for girls, you know, there is, and it's, you know, you find there's still a, a lack of boys in it, you know. But isn't that very strange mm. whenever so many mm. of the leading chefs are men? Absolutely, it is, you know, it is changing, but still, it's, you know, when we look at how many boys take part in the project, uh, I suppose you're looking at about maybe 20, 80, you know, to girls, so, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's changing, it is changing, so it's great. You know? In its third year, when you mm. first started, it was fairly local to Kerry and mm. surrounding areas mm. and I know County Limerick was, in, was involved because the person that mm. won I know you don't call it a competition yep, but yep, a um, the mm. apprentice chef in that yep. year was actually from Drumcollar School. Yeah that was uh, Julie O'Donoghue uh, absolutely amazing dish you know that was the first year and uh, yeah it's fantastic the first year was tough you know we only took I think it was eight schools on as a pilot project just to see that we could get the model right you know we want to get the whole model right before we we kind of went looking for bigger sponsorship etc and taking it to a bigger audience so the first year was eight schools uh, yeah the winner from Hazelwood but we had uh, mainly Kerry schools the first year but what we've done now over the last two years, because it's third year now, uh, we've gone Munster-based. So I think there's around 26, 28 schools taking part this year. Next year, we're rolling out 60 schools in Munster. Uh, the following year, I suppose we'll double that. And the, the bigger picture, which is basically going to take five to six years, is to have it on a national basis to kind of around, I think there's around 722 secondary schools in Ireland. So it's a big, big task, you know, big task. But it's, you know, we believe it works, you know, it's all about the kids with this, you know, and like, it's, it's really like, you know, we don't have celebrities involved, we don't have, you know, we have industry leading chefs, it's all about the kids, the celebrity in this, you know, we, we, we don't want a kind of a false sense, you know, of egos, and that's no disrespect to, to, to celebrity chefs or none whatsoever, but, you know, we've just got good industry people behind this, we have IT truly behind it, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, you know, we, we'll get it, get it, you know, national, but the kids are amazing, you know. Are you amazed mm. by the standard of some of the cooking? You just said there oh, about the dish that mm. Julie cooked up. Yeah. It, it, was it fine dining, well, restaurant you know, it level? It was. And what it is really, they, 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 the, the kids submit their dish to us in the form of a project, which is, we say, a maximum of 1,500 words, even though most of them are around 4,500. They're, like, they're like master's papers. But basically they, they put their dish, their project to us. It will have a descriptive.
description of the dish, photographic evidence, time plan, recipe method. They are given an online learning resource with thousands of videos where they can then research it in the classroom and they work on their dish basically. Then they get a mentor chef and this is where it really kicks in because a lot of the dishes, Julie's dish for instance, the first dish that she submitted was good but once Simon Regan became her mentor chef and worked on the dish with her it went up to a massive level you know so it's all about learning you know like the standard is seriously high I mean like this year is just just when you think you can't get any higher you know these kids just produced uh, 15 or 16 dishes here last Friday Unbelievable. And yeah. Simon Regan is the head chef at the Europe Hotel He's head chef in Killarney. Europe, yep. So uh, basically that there's uh, there's myself, Mark Murphy from IT Trilly, Simon Regan from the Europe. We have Louise Brosnan, who's from the Global Village in Dingle, she's also heavily involved. And we have uh, John Murray, who's an ex lecturer from the college here, who's now retired, but he comes in as our kinda third judge as such if there's any disputes you know um, he also helps the kids in the kitchen and you know, mentors and puts them at ease which is really important it's about putting these kids at ease you know um, in order to make it national mm. you must need a lot of support be it mm. financial and yep. also then you're going to need mentor chefs yep, all, over the, yep. all over the country yep. let's mm. talk mm. about sponsorship mm. sponsorship we, we've been very lucky with the first year we had sponsorship from these strands now the reason uh, they haven't gone further with it was is we're going bigger and Lee Strand is very, you know, Kerry, bit of West Limerick, etc. So, uh, but what we've done the second year, then we got funding from Taste Kerry uh, and IT Trilly. But what's happened this year is we have two major sponsors on board, I suppose the biggest one being Fulter Island. Uh, they've come on board and it's amazing for us, you know, it's fantastic that they, they really see a big future in this. And we have Flowgas as well, Flowgas Island. But with Fulcher Island, what was, what's exciting with them is that they've seen the potential of this, but it's like any business, you know, you need a three year, four year, five year plan with an exit strategy, etc. in case it all goes wrong. So they're, they're going to work with us to put a plan together. And providing that plan is right, they're going to fund it for the next three years. They'll also want to be part of it. They always want to be part of it if this works. But you know, they kind of said that it could be too big for them to fund in the future, which is great for us, you know, but it's not, because you've got to look at how are you going to fund this thing, you know. So so we, we've got Fulcher Island on board, which is absolutely fantastic, you know, great support network, it's really, really good. You couldn't really have anybody better on board, to be honest. And, you know, it's when you hear about, I think it's 15,000 jobs in hospitality this year and nobody to fill them, we're hoping in five or six years down the line we'll have this little pool of chefs coming into third level that are already at a good standard. You know, they're not just coming to third level and not knowing what's happening, they've already come to a standard. So Fulcher Island are great. Flowgas, brilliant support as well. This talk of them giving us uh, some funding for the, if the winner wants to go on to third level education in the future, they'll help fund that for them as well. So it's really good, yeah, it's really exciting times. Yeah. And then for mentor chefs? Mentor chefs, we obviously will be, we'll be looking for mentor chefs. I mean, the way we'll be looking at it in the future is we're going to be looking at kind of hubs around the country. So we will be looking for mentor chefs and then we'll be, we'll be advertising that eventually, etc. And there will obviously be interviewing processes involved and there will be certain structures it's going to have to be stuck to. It's got to be the same. You know, the, the one thing that Fulcher Island said to us is how are we going to spread the passion for it and everything around the country? And the only way we're going to do that is having people that are so passionate about it as we are and have the same mentality, you know. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll be looking for mentor chefs and admins and all sorts. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it will create a bit of employment as well. You know? Okay, so, super. Yeah, so. Well, if people want to find out more, where is the best place for them to go? We have a website now, albeit it's a little bit basic, you know, but we're working on that. It's the, uh, theapprenticechef.ie. 
Uh, we're also on Facebook, uh, Facebook forward slash The Apprentice Chef, and we also have Twitter, The Apprentice Chef, and uh, they can contact myself uh, through justcooking.ie as well, or the IT Trilly, Mark Murphy, IT Trilly. So, yeah. well, congratulations Thanks, with the Sharon. great progress that support. it's made. Yeah. We mm. wish you continued Thanks. success, and you must come back to us whenever this year's winner is announced. Lovely, lovely, yep, and come down for the, the finale if you want. Yeah. I'd love it. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Great chatting to Mark at the Food for Thought event and I'll have more interviews from that day in the coming weeks. Now we're heading over to the phone to put a call into David Flynn. David and his brother Stephen have a business called The Happy Pair in Dublin and you'll undoubtedly have come across them on TV as they'd often be on the various programmes doing demos. They are the guest editors for the April issue of Easy Food magazine and David is on the phone now to tell me what to expect in the most recent issue. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. David, thanks for joining me on the phone this evening. Brilliant. Pleasure. Real pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It must have been great fun for you and your brother Stephen to be the guest editors in this month's Easy Food magazine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's the first time we've ever done this, so, you know, it's definitely something new for us and exciting. As a happy pair you're both very much about healthy eating so I would imagine that this month's issue reflects that. Yeah yeah I guess it's spring you know it's the April episode so it's very much spring based and spring is all about kind of health and embracing kind of the extra stretch in the evening so healthy food goes really well with it so that was really good thinking behind it. What sort of recipes have you put in there for us to enjoy? Uh, we've got a lovely sweet potato falafel cake. We've got a simple chili. You know, it only costs about six euro for about four portions, so it's very cheap and easy. We've got a great brekkie recipe. It's uh, happy heart pancakes. So they're really they're low calorie, gluten free, dairy free, sugar free, easy to make, and very tasty. You know, even my kids eat them. So, so it's great. You know, and Steve makes them all the time for his kids. You know, with some nice berries. Uh, we've got a carrot, black sesame seed, avocado, red pepper, and mixed leaf salad. Very nice. You know, tasty, simple one. And uh, then we just got a, a honey and seed flapjack for a simple, nice one for kids' lunch boxes or any kind of picnic or that type of thing as it moves more into that season. So so they're all simple. They're all kind of easy to make, good family recipes, quick um, and wholesome food, you know. So, so it's great. You mentioned falafel there, and that is something that not everybody would necessarily be familiar with. Just explain what it is. Okay, so falafel is usually a deep-fried... You know, chickpea, garlic, lemon juice, you know, cumin, coriander. It'll have parsley in it. It's usually deep fried. It's in the Middle East. It'll often be served in a falafel, in a wrap, in a pizza or in a flatbread. Usually served with tzatziki or hummus or kind of harissa and some pickled veg. This time we've taken a, a kind of slant on that and we've done a sweet potato of falafel cake. So it's instead of it being deep fried, it's baked. Got quite similar seasonings to falafel, you know, cumin, coriander, lemon, garlic. Um, and then we've got a red pepper relish to serve with that. So it's very tasty. It's kind of like a burger, um, but very tasty, you know. It's so. It sounds very tasty, and I would imagine because you're baking it as opposed to frying it, it's a healthier way to enjoy yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's much healthier. There's no oil at all, so it's, there's no, no added fat, um, very low in calories, high in fibre, high in nutrition, high in vitamins, high in minerals, high in antioxidants. So it ticks all the boxes in terms of, you know, it's quick and it's tasty, you know, it's been cooked We've tried it so many times. We cook it all the time in our restaurants here, so it's very popular. Cooked in very well, and you can have it in a bun or just have it plain. You know. 
The magazine is always great for having child-friendly recipe and encouraging kids to enjoy food. What are your top tips for parents that are struggling to get healthy meals into their children? Uh, I think soups is a great one. You know, like I've got two young kids. One is two and one is four and a half. And they'll always eat soup. You know, for lunch we'll often soup and we'll cook rice and we'll eat, cook brown rice kind of once every three days. And normally I'll have soup with brown rice and I'll serve that to the kids for lunch with a bit of bread. They'll normally eat that. Uh, for breakfast they'll always have porridge and we'll usually make a smoothie most mornings or a juice. And then for dinner, you know, we do that, do our best again. Sometimes there's, it depends how very different things but I think if they see you eating healthy food they're much more likely to eat it absolutely yes yeah. we must lead by example definitely and I think soups and smoothies are two great ones you know they're you can kind of camouflage things and hide things because some kids they don't like the look of broccoli or carrots or if they see certain things but certainly blend it up in a smoothie you can always sneak different things in it you know like different kind of powders like spirulina or goji berries or any of those type of things which are really great or walnuts which are great for kids brain development you know as well normally try and get my kids smoothies strangely enough i have a four-year-old who absolutely adores broccoli but of course her two-year-old brother won't even look at it yeah yeah it's hard isn't it some of them are you know they do do their own thing yeah yeah so so. broccoli features quite regularly because i think if she likes it and she's happy to eat the little trees she can eat them until the yeah the cows come home and if they like that yeah my two will always eat broccoli tennis stem broccoli they like asparagus they like green beans you know they like sweet potato wedges and we make them um they're they're both very good eaters you know they do like crap as well you know they do try and harass you for sugar the older one does you know because that's just uh, little people I think you know it's, but um, given them healthier choices you know we'll often bake these flapjacks at home and they'll have that as a treat and at least you know there's no added sugar in it it's got lots of honey in it but it's certainly got more minerals in it than sugar does and a lower glycemic index in it so so the flapjacks in this month's easy food is one that you would definitely recommend yeah, yeah, trying we make it, for yeah, the kids yeah we make it all the time we make it every couple of weeks with the kids you know and Elsie will take some in her lunchbox or, you know, they'll have it as a treat, you know, the way in the afternoon or that type of thing. So it's kind of, it's a good one to make, yeah. Out of all the recipes that are in this month's magazine, which one is your favourite? Uh, sweet potato falafel cakes, I think I like. You know, I really like them. I find them simple. Or the pancakes are great. You know, both totally different recipes, but the pancakes are really nice, simple, tasty, and they're all inclusive because there's, you know, nowadays there's more and more people are dairy-free or gluten-free or whatnot. So, it's a simple recipe. It's sweet. It, you know, it's, I think it's a great one, you know, and it's low in fat. You know, there's no dairy in it. There's no, um, it's a clean, simple, tasty recipe. So thanks for sharing that all with us. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's all in Easy Food magazine, which is on the shelves now. And I think it's two euros 90. That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for talking to me this Brilliant. evening. Lovely talking to you. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Great chat, David, and we're running out of time, so I won't delay in introducing Laura Forrestal, who has some event information to share with us. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. West Waterford Festival of Food is an annual event celebrating food and drink that will take place on the 9th to 11th of April in Dungarvan, Waterford. This weekend will be jam-packed with demos, discussions, dining of all kind and lots more. This festival can be enjoyed by young, old and everyone in between. Since this is the 8th year of the West Waterford Festival of Food, the festival is bigger than ever before and has a special strand weaving its way through the programme, celebrating generations of Irish food stories. 
The event will be very lucky to have many families joining them to share their stories, their history and their plans going into the future. So I advise you to head down to Longarvin and get the most of what the area has to offer. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Thanks, Laura, and please do keep sending details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches and fundraisers to s.nunan at live.ie and I'll be only too delighted to give them a shout-out here on the diary on best possible taste. That, sadly, is all we have time for this evening on the show, which was produced with the help of production assistant Laura Forrestal. Thanks so much for your company and to all of tonight's guests, Rachel Keeley, Karen Coakley, Aoife Hannan, Mark Doe and David Flynn. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe an older one. And until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.